You're listening to Daughter Father Dance Podcast. Hi, Daddy. I proof. That's not proof to me they exist. That's just proof that you believe they exist. Prayer, first of all, it's easy. Secondly, it's effective. The God you love so much made me this way. Hey, hey, listen. That's well, my point. Is what I'm, you believe. I know, but okay, so what I'm saying is... Amen. Oh, gosh. Hello, everybody. Oh, God, I have to redo that. That totally reminds me when Dad and I were attempting to record a coming soon video for the podcast, and he kept saying, Gosh, Nay, stop saying hello, everybody. You sound like Aunt Bethany in Christmas Vacation. And sadly, I totally did sound like her. Aunt Bethany, why don't you go with Francis and Catherine yeah. into the living room and say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. You should say it. Okay. Hey, everybody. This week, Dad and I dive into one of his favorite subjects, prayer. And though I've gotten feedback from people about how the show focuses too much on Dad's religious bent, or can't we discuss topics that don't entail mention of the Catholic Church, well, as I mentioned in Episode 1, there are two things I or anyone would be hard-pressed to keep my dad from discussing, and those are his faith and his family. Besides, I too recognize prayer as a powerful, supernatural force. And today, we all get to experience one of my favorite realizations about intercessory prayer that I actually discovered during our recording of this episode. And the realization points to something I've been desperately wanting to discuss in full about the glaring imbalance and failure, really, of the patriarchy. And I mean the failed patriarchal constructs that span every sector of life, be them the workplace, politics, organized religion, and sometimes even the family. We will get to that in a future episode, but today is our prelude. This episode also touches on a figure to whom much of mankind is already endeared, and yet her power has yet to be fully brought into the limelight, for reasons I think is by design. Because... If we allowed the true power of the feminine to be fully realized, well, everything would change. Okay, here's Dad. There's two things I would say again, and I've probably already told them to you, about prayer. First of all, it's easy. Secondly, it's effective. Those are the two things that I would brag about if I was to have to give a talk on prayer. Huh, yeah. Some people might ask, well, give me an example of prayer. Or how many types of prayer are there? Well, from my own experience, uh, I would say that spontaneous prayer is really easy for me. Uh, Devotional prayer is, it's more demanding than spontaneous prayer. Because devotional prayer, you should put yourself in the mindset of the devotion that you're entering into. But what do you mean by devotion, Dad? Like, what do you mean by devotional prayer? What is that? Okay, good question. Devotional prayer would be, number one, the rosary. Number two, Divine Mercy Chaplet. Just hearing the phrase Divine Mercy Chaplet makes me both cringe and slightly giggle. 
because it reminds me of that time my godson Sean Patrick wanted to murder me at his own father's wake. And though there's nothing funny about my uncle's wake, the fact that I exceeded the five-verse count of the chaplet by rounding into verse number seven before Aunt Becky nearly dove into the pew to chokehold me does cause me to slightly chuckle. I bet it makes Uncle Steve laugh too. Uh, other devotional prayers would be the memorari. Would a, would a uh, um, Our prayers, Father? Well, the Our Father is the most common devotional prayer on earth given by the author of prayer himself. So other forms of prayer are the Hail Mary, the Apostles' Creed. Then there are the 12-year prayer of St. Bridget of Sweden that I pray daily. The 12-year, a.k.a. 20-year prayer. Please talk yeah, about that. Yeah, I'm in my sixth year of it. I've not missed one day of saying that 12-year prayer in six years. There are prayers of panic. But that's not devotional, right? That's not a devotional no, I'm, prayer. I'm that's done a... with devotional. I'm going into panic prayer. Gotcha. Panic prayer is you get bad news. That puts you into panic mode for prayer. <laughs> and then there are uh, prayers that when a loved one is in an accident and you don't know what the result of that accident's going to be. Sometimes it means hospital stay, emergency room stay. Uh, you may not even know uh from a natural disaster, somebody from a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake, loved ones or possibility may be victims of that. Those are prayers that you don't even know what's going on, but you want divine intervention to aid the person that you love or are concerned about because you just don't know what's going on. So to me, that's, I don't know, you might call it a prayer of great faith that divine providence is going to assist you in what's going, you know, because people say, well, God knows everything, right? But you don't know everything. And when you find things out, go to the guy that knows everything. So, so Dad, I don't know you how always... much more I can say about prayer other than what you can imagine in your own mind that runs through your mind at opportunities to pray. Talk about with regard to that, you have for several years now um, quoted Padre Pio because like, you know, I'll call you or talk to you and mom about something I'm concerned about or afraid or I've got a weird lump that I'm scared about or whatever. I made that last one up. I don't have any weird bumps, but what you, you will respond, nay, Pray, don't worry, and be joyful. Go live your life in joy. So talk about that. Like, what's the power in that little formula? Well, the formula that I remember being given is pray, hope, and don't worry. Okay. That virtue of hope is a acknowledgement of trust. Because mm. when you hope, you're just saying, God, I hope you take care of this. And you're saying, I trust you. And then don't worry is don't belabor yourself on the burden of having your mind more focused on what's going on. Have your mind focused on you're turning this over. Hmm, I love this. It's the fundamental act of detachment. So yeah. when they say pray, hope, and don't worry, that's basically some of the things that St. Padre Peel said. 
some of your listening audience may not know what a stigmata is. Dad goes on to explain more about Padre Pio and the fact that he was blessed, if you consider it a blessing, with the stigmata. I end up telling Dad that he needs to start his own YouTube channel so he can talk all he wants about the catechism and the lives of the saints. He's thinking about it. And the wounds bled. They became so saturated with body fluids. Mm, Yeah, you can count on me to keep pressing that YouTube channel thing real hard. We'll just fast forward here a little bit. Now, those are things that I can tell you just from my own knowledge of reading and, and learning about the life of St. Padre Pio. But the intercessory after his death is really something to, to look into because Padre Pio's power of intercession is quite amazing. Many people pray for different saints as intercessors for their causes. Uh, I use the Blessed Mother quite a bit. I use St. Joseph quite a bit. And I use other saints. I use saints to intercede for my prayer life. Now, the saint doesn't grant the favors. God himself grants the favors through his saints. St. Paul even tells us as non-canonized saints on earth to pray for one another. I don't know if you could hear Dad tapping his finger on his desk over the background music, but he was very emphatic about that statement. And you pray for one another, you become their intercessor. I am Meredith's intercessor. I am Gabby's intercessor. You are too. Your mother is. Barb's mother. She's an intercessor for all the prayers for her children. What you're hearing here is Dad recalling a few of the many people that, in the week of this recording, had called me requesting that Dad and Mom please pray for their respective intentions. This is serious business, actually. And my favorite part is yet to come. We are called to be intercessors for one another. Well, if we here on Earth can be intercessors for one another, how much more powerful would be intercessors that we know are in the presence of God. That's why prayer is easy for me, because I know it's effective because there's there's a lot that goes into it that you don't see, because God made the visible and invisible. Dad, that's a really good, interesting uh, topic about the invisible, because a lot of people walk or turn away from the idea of faith because it is invisible, right? Because there's nothing tangible to say, you know, it's not scientific, although I think there is some science to it. That's for another conversation. But there's nothing like tangible to say, well, I don't know, I can't believe in a God because I've never met them, or I can't believe in a God because there's no real proof. If you think about the invisible and all the things that we kind of don't understand anyway, but we believe in, like love, right? Who can really explain love, the phenomenon of that feeling, that expression, that receiving, that giving? But yet we all feel it. We all believe in it. And there's nothing tangible about it. And so love is the invisible. Expressions of it aren't, but as is God. God is invisible in a sense, but God's expression in the world is not invisible. And to me, God's expression in the world isn't about religion. God's expression in the world is about everything. 
everything beautiful and expansive and limitless possibilities, because God is the creative intelligence of everything, and we are part of that. Well said. I might also add when you brought up the subject of love, love is, it's a feeling, but it's also an act of the will. Okay, say more. Say more? Mm-hmm. About what, it, <laughs> what, what that means to you, like what, what it's well, the act of Well, are we going to talk will. about invisible or are we going to talk about love? Yeah, let's come back to it. You, you wanted to talk about invisible. Well, have you heard of the invisible man? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I bring that up, to be honest with you, because some people may think that God's invisible or because he's not visible, there's no God. Well, basically right now in our limited capacity through our vision and understanding, we don't see spirits. They're invisible. So God, the Father, is invisible to us. We don't know what our guardian angels look like. Well, some people do. I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. But we're told as Catholics and or Christians that we all have an angel assigned to us at conception. The unknown is what's our guardian angel look like? I don't know what your guardian angel or my guardian angel or anybody else's looks like. But I believe in guardian angels. My faith that I believe that is the proof that guardian angels exist. But hold on, it's your proof, not a, not somebody outside of you's proof. If I don't believe in guardian angels and you tell me I believe in guardian angels, that's not proof to me they exist. That's just proof that you believe they exist. Well, then that may be in the same realm of the person that does not believe, why does he not believe? Is it faith? No, because faith would mean they believed. I would explain it this way. Faith is proof that God exists. Now, I could also say, I'm looking at proof of God because I'm looking at you. How did you get here? How did you start? And then that'll take you biological, physiological, theological, way, way, way back to where's the chicken or the egg? What was yeah. first? That's kind of my point though. I don't, just because you look at me and see that as proof of God, doesn't mean somebody outside of you, that doesn't mean I believe it. I'm just pay, playing the devil's advocate of somebody who doesn't have faith, right? I have faith, I, I believe there is a God. However, I know people who do not, and they stand very strong in that understanding. So I'm just confused to your assertion that the fact that you have faith means there is God. Because it doesn't, to somebody outside of you, mean that. Well, there's, there's other approaches. That's probably a very elementary example of it. It's not a hypothesis you can really prove. Now a word about some really cool people who are doing some truly transformational and cool things. If you're not familiar with humanlibrary.org, I suggest you check them out. 
And speaking of checking out, at humanlibrary.org, you don't check out bound books like you would in a traditional library. You check out human books. Yep, you heard that right. The books you read are human. Humanlibrary.org challenges stereotypes and gives us an opportunity to, as they say, unjudge another. They do this by creating a space and a library inventory, if you will, of open book humans willing to have conversations with other humans. Instead of learning about something from reading, you learn from listening and asking questions. To learn more, go to humanlibrary.org. Maybe it will inspire you to have conversations with people that are different from you or those you want to better understand. The Human Library definitely inspires me to continue creating more connection and less division in our world. Go check them out. We live in a natural reality of sight, sound, taste, touch. The supernatural reality is those things invisible, unknown, and hard to believe. You could prove that there was a man who walked the earth that said that I and the Father, the invisible God of all creation, are one. There's proof that a person named Yeshua actually walked the face of the earth, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and died and was buried. Now, maybe I'm using that my faith is proof of the unknown is a better way than my faith is proof that God exists. Well, Dad, hey, there's a, in the guest room where that used to be Jason's room that I sleep when I come visit you and Mom, there's a, a plaque that's got this beautiful sunset and it says, all that I, I can see teaches me to trust the Creator for all I cannot see or something like that. Do you remember what it says? I can find out real quick. Do, 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 do. <laughs> He brought the whole thing. Good Lord. Good thing it wasn't a 20 by 18 foot canvas. All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. Okay, perfect. I love that. I always, I every time I come home, I look at that and just smile because that's, that's how I feel. Well, see, that's part of the visible and invisible. I was yeah. told as a uh, child, pray to Mary, the mother of Jesus, for favors that you want, because Jesus will never deny his mother anything. Wow. Jesus, yeah, I've and, never heard that. You never heard that? No, that is beautiful. I mean, think about that. Well, well tell me about what you were going to say about... Um, about that, about that he would never deny his, his mother something. That's beautiful. Well, Mary is so important to Christians as an intercessor. And when I say God himself loved his mother, and you got to think about that for a minute. God became man through Mary. You can't tell me a child that doesn't love their mothers, especially if that mother was always there and loving. You can't help but not love your mother. And if your mother tells you to do something, you damn well better do it. <laughs> well, as Catholics, we use Mary as an intercessor, and we believe that Jesus will not deny his mother whatever she asks him. 
When I said Jesus will never deny his mother, when we pray and ask Mary to intercede for us, we are hoping one of the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. We are hoping that Mary takes that request to Jesus. So when I pray for Meredith's friend's father, Mary's going to Jesus with the prayer request that I have for all those involved in the care and the well-being of this man. May they be to God's holy will. That's what my prayer requests are, that they be of God's holy will. Even though my will is I want this guy to get well. I want him to right. recover. I want Gabby to be back on the court, be an all-star. That's what I want. But we pray for God's will because that's a better thing than our will. That's all I'm saying. If you've never heard that before, shame on me because I should have told you kids that when you were little. You go to Mary if you want something from Jesus because Jesus will not deny his mother anything. Wow. You know what's interesting about that, Dad? On so many levels, I mean, in my mind, it's spinning because I can't believe I've never heard this before. But also, I feel like if that were... If, if Mary were more recognized in the world of faith or, or, you know, just in the world in general, that she's an interceding entity for God, it almost feels like more people would turn to faith. You know, I know people that are sick of the patriarchy and why does every, why would God be only father? Why isn't he mother? Mothers are creators. And, you know, and I, I have to admit, like, I've thought the same thing. I think God is genderless. So I, I get real annoyed sometimes that we have to call him father just think of how like if if that sort of nodding to mary as a way to god i feel like there would be people that would actually do that versus people that just flip the middle finger to faith it's an interesting it's an interesting way into me that i never well, let thought me, of. let me give you a little bit of history the founder of the Lutheran religion, Martin Luther, was a Catholic Augustinian monk. He's the one that actually started the big Protestant revolt that fractured Christianity. That's another story I could spend hours about, how Melanchthon, his good friend, told Lutheran, don't do what you're going to do, you're going to fracture Christianity. See, I'm telling you, he needs that YouTube channel. Luther did it anyway, and now we have, I don't know how many thousands of different Protestant religions because Martin Luther went against advice from his close friend. Martin Luther had a devotion to the Mother of God, but Protestants today have very little or no devotion or recognition of the Mother of God. That's a shame, and I think that pisses Jesus off because... <laughs> I think he wants everybody to love his mother as much as he loved her. But that being said, if Lutherans would look at the biography of Martin Luther and his own faith journey after the Protestant Reformation, they would see that Martin Luther never abandoned his devotion to Mary. Huh. So because you said if more people knew about Mary, I think you touched on a very good 
topic there, Janae. You're right. If more people, I think, use Mary as an intercessor, that's not taking anything away from Jesus at all. Because the Protestant friends that I have, they go right to Jesus. Here goes the emphatic finger tapping again. Serious stuff, guys. They pray to Jesus Christ in Jesus' name only. No saints, no Mary, no angels. Jesus only. Okay, you can't get any better than that, but if you want to take Jesus' word in Scripture through the mouth of Paul, we are called all to be intercessors for each other. It's making me think of a lot of very interesting things, Dad. This is a really unexpected and welcome tangent that we went on, the Mother Mary, because her her significance in my life has always been secondary and it's interesting that the older I get she's becoming more primary and again I've never ever heard you say nor have I heard any other human being say that comment about Christ would never deny his mother and therefore prayers through Mary have a different sort of you can count on them (laughs) because he's not going to deny her a request well the tail end of the Hail Mary is Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. That's an intercessory prayer right there. Exactly. So, Okay, well, I think that we're on to something about this Mary thing. It's opening up some interesting doors in my brain. So um, more to come on that. Well, I hope you're glad you stopped by. The way Dad and I allow these conversations to unfold is always authentically and often organically. As my brain cogitates just how symbolically profound my dad's assertion that God will not deny his mother anything, whoa, if you think I had a case for female empowerment before now, oof, get ready. Thanks again for joining us. My belief, dad's belief, your belief, they're all valid. One isn't any better or more true than another unless somehow that belief is rooted in the intent of hurting, oppressing, denying, or hating. At which point, that is not a difference of perspective. That's simply nefarious and gross. Don't forget to check out humanlibrary.org. I'm glad you're here. See you next time.